0: Well, to get us started today, um, I'd like to ask a quick question. How many of you have walked out of your house and just kind of forgot to look in the mirror and check to see if everything was okay, you know? uh, It's something we really don't like to do, isn't it? Uh, We don't really want to walk out, you know, with an unchecked image, right? We want to make sure everything's okay. And I want to share a little story. Um, I went to camp, uh, a junior high camp a few years ago. And uh, one of the kids had, in the previous camp, had broken the mirror in our cabin. And, uh, and this was not the nicest camp, you know. It was, a, it was the right price, though. And, uh, and uh, so there was not a lot of mirrors around. So I just kind of went for two or three days without looking into a mirror. And, uh, you know, I, there were certain things I was trying to pay attention to. I kind of washed my face. And shaving, I tried to get all the good, you know, get all the spots. And then I have sideburns. Here they are. And uh, I tried to get them very even you know at the right level, and uh, after camp, I got home and it was kind of stunning how bad I had managed to make myself in just a couple of days. Uh, I literally had a dark circle around my eye of dirt i took I took showers, I washed my face, I was still dirty you know and, and I just had kind of missed that spot and and I, ladies, you may know this about your husbands, but we have hair that grows a little closer to our eyes and you tend to miss those sometimes. You know, they're just not in the normal range of our beard, the strays that kind of get up further or away somewhere, you know. And so we try and, when your guys are shaving, they try and get all those. And I had missed those and then 50, you know, uh, I had missed an entire section on my neck just kind of thinking I got the whole area. I had a nice line of beard. Here looked like drool, and uh, and you know my hair was terrible. I just looked absolutely horrible. Not only that, I actually found stuff in my beard, right right in this area, orange, yellowish stuff. I don't remember eating it, but it was there, and I don't know how long it had been there. I hadn't seen myself in a couple of days. You know, I, seeing my own image is kind of important to me now. I realize I'm a walking disaster, and most of us know that about ourselves. That. We just don't look good, right? And, you know, I, I was kind of thinking about this as I watched the message, I, or getting ready for the message, and, and, um, and I kind of thought to myself, well, you know, if you don't know vampire lore, vampires cannot see themselves in the mirror. They have no reflection, and that's how people try and find them. They're, Are you a vampire? And they get a mirror, and they try and see if the person... If they don't have a reflection, if they're not there, they're, they're you know, a vampire. And, and I started to think about these vampire movies, you know, the, the the Twilight series, I'm like, well, vampires can never see themselves. These people should be absolutely hideous. You know, they don't exactly have the cleanest lifestyle. Their diet is kind of, well, messy if, to be nice about it, you know. And yet, here these people are. Their hair is amazing. Their eyebrows are perfectly trimmed. They never have stuff on their face. They just look good, you know. They, their makeup's good, you know, everything about it. They look fantastic. Their hair is always in the right position, even after a battle or something. You know, in these, in these movies, they look fantastic. And you've and you got to say, no way. No way. There's no way vampires could look this good. When they wake up in the morning, you know, who's going to tell them what's wrong with their face? Do they have bed head, you know? Do they have creases in their face from their pillow wrinkles, you know? No one's going to tell vampires. And it's just not going to happen. And, and some of you are wondering, Justin has gone off the deep edge. He's talking about vampires and a dirty face in the morning, and, I, and I've got a point, I promise. Uh, our image is important, and seeing our reflection uh, tells us what we look like, and, and it shows to us what's gone wrong in the days and the months that we've you know been here on Earth. And so we're not vampires, we like our image, we like to see ourselves, and our culture is kind of uh, obsessed with this self-image thing, just not really what's going on on the inside, but really how you look on the outside. Uh, there's a commercial I saw, an advertisement. Image is everything. I was like, "What? Image is not everything. You got to be, you got to be kidding me if you think image is everything." But that's the way our culture is. We have um, eating disorders where people are more concerned about the way they look than the way that they feel and their own health. They're dying to get their image right because there's something they have to. There's something wrong with the way they. That image that they see. Right? We're obsessed with image. Um, the vast majority of us—that, and by that I mean 99.99% of us—look into a mirror every day, usually, you know, for at least 15 minutes, just making sure we don't look terrible. We're get, we're just editing our flaws continually, right? And some of us spend more than 15 minutes looking into the mirror could be a whole lot more than that and they're checking and then in case they didn't get it right they come back and they recheck later and and in my house there's a mirror by the door right just one more last check make sure i'm not messed up and we we, we just we we need our own reflection well, what about what's going on inside right i mean some people for their wedding or for their their marriage day, um, they spend hours, I mean hours, they diet, they exercise, all to get into a dress and look right or look good in a tux or, or look good for these pictures that they're going to have to look at forever. It's, it's really high pressure to look good. But imagine how many more marriages would last if they spent some more time preparing emotionally on the interior for their marriage. You know, uh, Image is not everything. Sometimes it's about what's going on inside. And it's really all the time. It's about what's going on inside. And so I gotta say, you know, how do we get a a mirror for our soul? How do we see what's going on inside of us? How am I gonna how am I gonna get a snapshot of what I look like or or see myself as I should be, or see what's wrong with me? And Scripture gives us one source, and it is Scripture itself. And here we go, James one, twenty two to twenty-five. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says, otherwise you are only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if we look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. So the the instruction here is look deeply into the Scripture and see ourselves and use the Scriptures to look at us on the interior, to see what's going wrong and and to find out um, what needs to change and where the flaws are in our character. We need to look deeply into it and ask ourselves some some really reflective questions Let's say, do I reflect the image of Christ? Or is there something going wrong inside me? Now, is Scripture good at this? Um, well, Hebrews 4.12 says this. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. It can pull out of, the, out of us the stuff that's so deep in us, we didn't even know it was there. Most of us don't like to really be self-reflective because it, kind of, you know, uh, uh, it makes us feel like, oh, yeah, I've got all these mistakes inside of us. Let me just say, uh, one of the best things about being a Christian is that it's okay to be screwed up for us. It's okay to have a litany of just things wrong with you. And just be confident in the fact that God has forgiven you and loves you and that you are adored just exactly that way. And so we can look at our flaws and just go, yeah, there they are. And I'm going to work on them. I'm not going to be afraid to admit that they're there. But I'm going to look at my image and how much I don't look like Jesus and say, it's okay but I need to change. I need to reflect more the image of Christ. I need to check how I'm doing on the inside, who I am and what I think and and what I feel and evaluate those things in the light of the truth of the Scriptures. So I want to challenge us to do that today, to look deeply. Um, King David challenges this in a whole, he spends a psalm pushing us to understand that God reflects, God can show us things about ourselves that we need to know and that he's concerned. And Psalm 139, he tells us he knows how many, God knows how many hairs are on your head and, and he knows how you were put together. He knows when you're going to stand up and when you're going to sit down. He knows what you, when you're going to rise in the morning and when you're going to fall asleep. He knows what you're going to think before you think it. He knows every feeling about you. He knows you. He knows the stuff about you you don't know. And you think about yourself all the time. Right? I mean, his understanding of who you are and what you look like on the interior and exactly how you work, he's got it perfect. He understands it perfectly. And David says this in that psalm. He says, God, you have innumerable thoughts about me. More thoughts about me than I can count. Now, how many of you like it when somebody comes and says, you know, I was thinking about you? How many of you like that? I love that. Uh, you were thinking about me? I mean, you had to actually dedicate some of your thoughts to reflecting on me and who I am? And how about when someone says, comes up to you and says, I really thought so deeply about some of the things that, I'm, that are going on. Do you feel cared for? You know, I do. I love it when somebody comes up to me and says, I was thinking about you and praying for you. And just, you know, I, I hope this for you. Just to hear that from someone is amazing. But to hear it from God saying, I have innumerable thoughts about you. Innumerable. You can't even count how much I think about you. All the time I think about you. I reflect on you. I, you are in my heart and in my mind always. Does anybody feel loved at that thought? Right? And so he has that many thoughts. And and David thinks about this in, in Psalm 139. And he says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And so he's saying, God, dig in. Get me. You know, push me to some limits and find out what's wrong with me. And help me see it. Help me figure it out. Point out anything in me that offends you. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. One of the greatest things that happens is when we look into the truth of the scriptures and reflect, see what our reflection looks like in it, and address those things is we are blessed. I like to be given something, right? Everybody likes, you know. Here's, you know, here's a gift card to, you know, Chipotle. I get excited, right? Uh, you know, if they give you something, you get excited. But when you become given a new you whoa, when God addresses some kind of inner thing that's gone wrong with you, whoa, that is like the best blessing is to be transformed into something new and better. Right? I mean, God can give us gifts. Nobody in the world can give us. And so, here it is. We're, we're, we're told to dig into Scripture and to look at it and, and check our reflection and see who we really are and how we're shaped and, and why we do the things we do, Right? And uh, I'd like to just take a passage today and just do that. Just look at it and and ask those self-reflecting questions. Is this me? Is this what I do? Now, I've chosen Romans 12, and Romans 12 is like a grand slam in Scripture. Uh, There is no way we could unpack all of Romans 12 in one message. And in two months, we're going to actually take a couple weeks to to unpack it. But today, we're going to take a hyperspeed look, a, a glance at ourselves, In Romans 12 and ask ourselves, how am I doing? And so let's just dig right into it. So every scripture you will see here today from this point forward is just continuing right through Romans 12. I didn't communicate that last hour and somebody came up to me and said, you know, I would like to know all the scripture references. I didn't make it clear. So there are all Romans 12. All right, here we go. And so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. And you could stop there and camp for an hour there. But let's keep going. Quick pace. Here we go. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will accept. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Now the, the pastor wants to just in me just wants to dig that one. You know, but let's just take a quick one point, kind of a summary point from it. Is this that we are supposed to have a higher standard for life, and that's the first point of our message today? Uh, a higher standard. The world is telling us we need to be this way and look this way and have this kind of money and 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 do these kind of activities and have the respect of these kind of people and wear these certain clothes and and have this certain weight and shape and size and and height and and you know there's just all these things that it's telling us that. We need to have this kind of car and and you know be this respected in such and such way by such and such people. And it's just, it's a lie. And they just lay out all these standards for us that we just need to say, that's not how I live. That is not my life. I am not submitting to those rules. Those are not my standards. My standard is higher. You're telling me the world to, to live a life that's going to affect this world and my concern is heaven how is heaven going to be different because of what i do here who's going to be there and who's going to be blessed and who's going to be encouraged for the eternal how is what i'm going to do today going to affect eternity and we look at our lives and we say whoa that's a tough measure because i'm wasting a lot of time a lot of stuff that i do doesn't matter in eternity A lot of activities or roles that I fill, I I just can't sense that they're going to matter when Jesus rips open the sky and comes back to earth. You know? I'm going to go, what was I doing that for? Right? So let's just walk away and just say, I live by a different standard. The activities and and thoughts and feelings of my life are set to that standard and that's where I'm going to live. I am a citizen of heaven. And I don't copy the behaviors of this world. Right? And so... We have this higher standard and we've got to ask ourselves, does God want me to quit something or quit chasing something or quit wanting something or, or quit admitting that I have some need, you know, that I really don't have or quit comforting myself or excusing myself from things, you know? We've got to ask ourselves those really hard questions. Am I, is my li- am I living by the higher standard? And then you start saying, okay, well, how do I measure myself? Now, I know I have this standard. How do I measure where I'm at? In Scripture, I mean, the great thing about Romans 12 is it's really logical. Here's the standard. Now here's the measurement. And it starts teaching us how to measure. So how do we measure ourselves to this higher standard? Um, so uh, I'm going to skip that next slide and go out right into it. 12, Romans 12, 3. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think better of yourselves than you really are. Now, this is very tempting, and I want to stop here for a little bit. Don't think better of yourselves than you really are. I do this all the time. I read a Bible. Yeah, I'm kind of doing that. Good. All right. had a good day. Thank you, Jesus. I'm out. What? Read it again. Yes. Okay. Okay, I'm not. I kind of, I'm doing a token, a little bit of that. And you want a real effort in that area. Okay. You know, a lot of us read the scriptures, and we do a quick assumption of our lives, and we walk out. We don't look at ourselves as we are. I say, am I really doing this? Is this the kind of person that I am on the interior? This is this the kind of person that does these kind of things? Am I becoming that? You know. So don't think of ourselves better than we are. But be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Measuring yourself by the faith God has given us. So the measurement is faith. And I always get confused because faith is kind of a big idea. And so... I kept hearing different things, and Scripture describes faith, and and it seems really closely tied to actions, but it seems really independent of that. And I just really got, I wanted to be a guy that could explain faith really well. So I came up with a phrase, I dug through Scripture, and I really tried to wrap my mind around what faith is. And I came up with this, you know, Faith is belief enough to cause appropriate response. Belief enough to cause appropriate response. So it's not actually doing anything yet, but it's belief enough to do something. Okay? So let me tell you about two different beings. Okay? they're Let's say we're going to use Christians and demons. Alright? Christians look at Jesus and say, I believe Jesus is God and that He died on the cross for my sins to forgive me so that I could re- live in a righteous and holy life. I believe it. So much that I receive it, right? I accept Christ. So the faith, is an, it's belief enough to cause the appropriate response. Now, demons, on the other hand, demons believe that Jesus is Lord, that He died on the cross for the sins of mankind. You know, they believe that He rose again. They believe that anyone who trusts in Jesus alone will receive eternal life. They believe all those things, but not enough to cause an appropriate response. They don't make Him Lord and Savior, right? So the goal, the appropriate response is to receive Him as Lord and Savior. And then, that's the beginning of that faith, right? Now we, now we receive it, but it needs to go somewhere. It needs to be expressed. And you measure how much faith you have by how much it's expressed, right? So the phrase here is that uh, we measure ourselves by how we live out our faith, right? So the question that we have for this year is we start making these resolutions. A lot of us have made resolutions about how we look or our, our, you know, our uh, image or how we weigh ourselves or, or having a better career by the end of the year or, you know, but what are we doing internally? And let's just ask ourselves by the end of next year, how am I going to be living out my faith more? And so, I'd like to take a time and look at four measurements that we can use um, to measure our faith. How am I doing in this area? So we measure how much faith we have by our activities, by our what, what's going on in our lives. And so there's no other way to measure faith. You've got that first initial faith that says, did I respond to Jesus appropriately? That's your first step of faith. But then you've got to say, okay, now I'm going to bring up more faith by Living it and being it and expressing it and doing it. And so the first one, the first measure of faith is involvement. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with, the body of, with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is to serve, is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. And so the the thing it says here is, how are you being used in the body of Christ? Are you involved? Not just on a task level but on a remote on an emotional relational level to the to the work of the church to the people in the church are you involved or is this the best church thing that you're going to do until we see you hopefully next week and hopefully that's not the case hopefully your involvement extends beyond sitting and go- you know coming and going but it extends into participating in supporting children's ministries and youth ministries and, and adult ministries and you know all the stuff that's going on here the service ministries the outreach ministries there's so much that we could be doing and so we measure how much faith we are we have by how much we get involved in the work of the church using and contributing the gifts that God has given us in both our abilities but also in whatever else he has given us so that's the first one and the resolution question I have here is uh, how do I get more involved in your body, the church? Lord, how am I going to do that this year, Lord? How am I going to increase? How am I going to take it up to the next level? Jesus, it was his thing. He was leading the body of Christ. And how are we going to help serve, support, and lead the mission that happens here? That's the first measure. So maybe you need to go out and take take the spiritual gifts class and and see what God has kind of put in you and how He has wired you so you can go and put that to work. Or maybe maybe you need to get more involved in your small group or increase your attendance level and your relational commitment to the people around you. It Take it to the next level, right? Get involved. Involvement. Second measure of faith is genuine love. Genuine love. Now... Uh, This is a great one. This is one of my favorite points of the message today. But here we go. Don't Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. You know? I wish Scripture could like do the really love, you know, really love them. Right? Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. We measure our faith by how much we're crazy about the people around us sitting in this room, right? Um, The question we've got to ask ourselves is do I genuinely love them or do I love them because I'm supposed to? A lot of times I wake up and I'm just going to make a confession. I wake up on Sunday mornings and I, said, and I say to myself, "Lord, if they didn't pay me, I wouldn't go today. You know if they didn't pay me. I just kind of don't want to go today. I'm just kind of tired of people. And I just, I just want to watch TV. you know, I just want to hang out. I just want to have family time. yeah right, okay? That's what I call it when I want to make my other people feel guilty for taking it from me, right. Um, but I want to have, you know, this, I want to have me time, and I just need some me. And, and it just reflects, and, and I kind of st- have to stop myself, and I say, no, oh, wait a you just be quiet for a second, you. Right? Those are the people of God. And that is your royal family. And today is the biggest and best and brightest day that you have this week to go out and transform the way eternity looks. And aren't you so lucky to be with them? I mean, each one of them is a precious you know, treasure of God sitting around you. And you are so fortunate to be among them and sit with them. And I've got to slap myself and say, yeah, God, that is true. I am so privileged. And so take a look around the room. Are you crazy about these people? Do you just love them? You know? are they, do they excite you? Is it just being around them give you a rush? You know, because they are the people of God. And they deserve the most genuine love that you can give. And you are so lucky to sit here among them. I mean, it is such a privilege. So, thank you for coming here and blessing me with you. You know? And and I, I'm i excited to be here. And sometimes i got to just beat my head until I believe that to be true. And other mornings I wake up and, and it just happens. But... Regardless, I have to work towards genuine love because the other choice is because I'm supposed to love. Yeah, it's going to church today because I'm supposed to because that's what a good Christian would do. Has anybody gotten a because I'm supposed to gift? Happy Mother's Day, Mom. I made you a card because if I didn't, oh boy, Dad would kill me. So I did it because I'm supposed to. Doesn't feel as good, does it? You know, and moms get way too many of those. My mom did from me, right? Because I'm supposed to or how about Valentine's Day? You get your you know, maybe you buy your wife some flowers. Hi, honey. Thanks for these flowers. What made you think of getting these precious flowers for me? Well, babe, it's Valentine's Day, and that's what husbands are supposed to do. Besides, if I didn't get you follow you know flowers today. You would treat me like a bum for probably a couple months and tell all your friends how you married a schlub. So I'm glad you have your flowers because I'm supposed to. I'd be like, no, thanks. Here's your flowers, right? That's not the kind of love that we want. That's That's not genuine. Nobody wants a love like that, right? We want the one that says, you know, Because I genuinely, genuinely think that I'm the most blessed by God because I have you. You know, those are the kind of things that we want to hear. Genuine, real, heartfelt love. And so, make it true in your marriage and with your children and then make it true right here. Genuine love. I'm so excited to be here. So next time you wake up and you're like, I'm kind of stressed to go to church today. I have to look good. You don't have to look good. I'm just, just saying. You know, I just don't feel right today. You don't have to feel right. Just just come here and enjoy us. You know, just relax and just say, hey, I'm just going to to be with my royal family and there's no pressure here anymore. You know, I'm just going to enjoy and, and genuinely love. So let's do that and ask the Lord, Lord, how can I love more genuinely this year? That's how we measure faith. Genuine love. So third measure of faith, here it is, endurance. Now, sometimes you say endurance and you're like, yeah, those are the people that can, like, you can shoot tennis balls, just whip tennis balls at them and they'll just keep going. Like, they're just tough. And that's not the kind of endurance I'm talking about here. These are, that's not the tough it out endurance. This is not the, you know, I'm just going to do it because that's what I'm supposed to do, endurance. This is the kind of endurance that has the right perspective amidst the trials and difficulties and challenges, right? Now, this is if you take this as your resolution this year, this is a tough one. Most people don't ask for endurance because do you know what it takes to get endurance? Difficult people in difficult situations. Right? That's what it's going to take. And if we want to look in the image of Christ, if we want to reflect the image of Christ, we've got to look at those difficult people in difficult situations and say... I'm going to do that because I have a greater hope. You know? So we rejoice in our confident hope. So this is endurance that rejoices when it gets difficult. Is happy about it. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Now this is, this is an awesome challenge. Uh, to keep on praying. And I have this thing that I kind of came up with. Because um, prayer means different things to different people. But I want to ask this question it's, Lord, do I pray according to Your will, expecting You to do things, great things, through me and in me, regardless of my comfort or pleasure? You don't care about them. Or, do I pray according to my desire for comfort and pleasure? There are two different ways to pray. Lord, give me what I want, or Lord, give me what You want. Might be difficult people, I'll take it. Might be a challenging situation. Thank you. But whatever conforms me to the image of Christ, whatever helps me develop endurance, I want it. Bring it. That's a hard thing to pray. And and most of us don't want they'll say, okay, I'll pass on. That's the most challenging one. I'm gonna do something else for my resolution this year. But we've got to ask ourselves, how Lord, how can I endure more? For you and your kingdom how can i have hope that leads me to to take on more challenge this year and so that leads us to our last point for today and the fourth measure of our faith and this one was hard for me to name uh, because it's got such a full meaning and so i named it ministry but the fourth measure of faith when god's people are in need be ready to help them and i thought I'll name this availability. Be ready to help, right? Always be eager to practice hospitality. Okay, I'll name this point open door. Open our doors to people, right? Or be ready to bless those who persecute you. Be kind to those who are mean, okay? Uh, Positive responding. And and I went through this and I was like, don't curse them, pray that God would bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Then the fourth measure of faith is empathy, right? Or or compassion, or understanding. Kind of live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. And so I kind of looked at this and go, this is so many points, I could take a week to pray, you know, the whole service to, to unpack just one little scripture here. But let's look at the whole idea is that we do ministry together. We do ministry and this is how we do it. And I thought the best way to illustrate this is by a living example in my life. I used to, you know, back in you know fourth grade, I start having these memories of coming home from school and opening the front door of my house and looking to the left in our living room and and seeing some lady bring her head up and she had mascara all down her face, she's a mess and she's crying, or I come in the door and some lady slapping her knee with my mom and just laughing. And I'm like, oh, okay, she'll be crying a little bit probably. You know. But you know, just some some lady and I always thought, man, why does my mom hang out with these kooks? These weird people are just always in our house. They're just here. And they're goony and they're awkward and they don't smell right sometimes. And my brothers were the same way. They're like, Oh man, mom's got another basket case upstairs. And then we'd go down to our base and we'd play video games and pretty much that's why my mom bought us video games. So we would go away while she did ministry, right? And I started to notice that when my mom walked into church, there was a line waiting for her. And then I'm like, man, you don't ever get to come to church and do your thing, do you? you got to do their thing all the time. And I could never tell which one she liked and which one she didn't and which one she became best friends with. I just couldn't tell which one she liked more. I mean... Let's just be honest. My mom is like the Rolls Royce, and these people were Rusty Pintos. And she liked them. She brought them into her home, and she thought they were great. And she genuinely loved them. And she taught them to sing to Jesus. And she used to say to me, Justin, I don't know, you know, all these people have these problems, and I don't know how to fix them, but I know Jesus. And He knows how to fix them. And so it says, you know, live in harmony with each other. And she wasn't too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. I mean, she was a spiritual giant. And and she was welcoming in all these people. and, And she would teach them the harmony of Jesus. And her life is a symphony. Because all these people, when they see her, they sing. Their hearts sing when they see my mom. Um, about a month ago, I walked into my house, and my mom asked me to come and fix something, and I kind of came in my own time. So she wasn't really ready for me. And I opened the door, and there sits my mom with a girl that I knew in high school that I kind of just wrote off. And I just went down the basement. Like, She's still doing it. She's 63. She'll never stop. And she'll do it for the people that I didn't do it for. You know? She's a great woman of faith. And she knows what ministry is. And she, keeps, she studies the Scriptures so that she has truth for them to share with them to help. She knows that Jesus is the answer. And she brings it, you know, to the table. And so that symphony plays around her constantly. And especially when she walks out into church among God's people. And she hears the voice of Jesus, you know. And she senses what He's doing. She doesn't know how to fix them, but she knows the One who does. Are our lives that open? Are we making a space for the needy? Are we making a space for those who are broken in spirit? Are we creating you know, some room in our heart for them to come inside and see Jesus who lives there and resides there within us? Maybe that's your resolution this year. As you just say... I got to do more ministry. I got to open my life and my heart, and invite people in, and let them see Jesus in me, and and welcome them in with genuine love, right? And get involved. And I know that the whole message, all these points, seem to swirl together to this one point. But you got to start with one something that you're going to do this year. And so maybe you're at the point where you say, "This last one's me. I got to do this this year. I got to do more ministry." So the question we've got to ask ourselves in this is to say, Lord, how can I do more and better ministry this year? How can I do more and better ministry? So we get a good picture of who we are when we see, you know, who we could be when we read through just this one passage. We see these things that we could participate in and that, that would change us to look more like Jesus. And today is Communion Sunday. And we wouldn't have the possibility to do any of this stuff if Jesus hadn't given Himself up for us. And so today, we're going to remember communion. And we're going to do kind of three things in order here. First, we're going to remember His body broken for you. That He was willing to get involved, right? And to to suffer and to endure for us and to do all these things that we talk about. In one day, just on the cross, He did it all, right? His body broken for us. He went through ministry for us, right? And His blood poured out for the forgiveness of sin. The fact that I don't have any more excuses to not do this stuff. I'm not too dirty. I'm cleaned up. I'm brought into the presence of God. I'm forgiven for what I've done. And I'm walking away from my sin and embracing what God has done for me on the cross. And then we're going to make a worshipful resolution today. So I encourage you to do that. Come before Christ appropriately when when we celebrate communion we just ask that you just lay your sins before him and say i have no intention to return to these just make me clean jesus wipe them off of my record so that i can participate in what the cross means that my sin is forgiven because your body was broken and so and they invite ushers could you come forward and uh, after they get that done i would like you to take a look at the back of your sermon notes if you have them and think think about one of those four areas and where you might be able to, um, to have a response. Uh, how am I going to make my resolution this year? And so if you don't have a screen or don't have a, a form, um, go ahead and use the screen here. But ask these questions and say, how am I going to look more like Jesus this year? And so as the, the communion plate is passing, um, just kind of reflect on, A, that his body was broken, and B, that his blood was poured out to forgive you, And then also your worshipful resolution in response to what Christ has done. Amen. On the night that he was betrayed, and the night that before he died, uh, Jesus took the bread as he gathered with his disciples and he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying to them, This is my body, and it was broken, it will be broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. in the same way, he took the cup. He said, this cup, it represents the new covenant, which is my blood, poured out for you for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. God, we thank you for your work on the cross. And God, many of us have meditated and and we think we've heard from you on some way that we can resolve to be more conformed to the image of Christ, that we would reflect who you are in our lives by the way we live out our faith. So God, as we, uh, as we close our time of communion together and continue in worship, God, help us to just take these resolutions, take these challenges from Scripture that show us who we are and how we can be different and put them to work in our life, God. Let's not just walk away and forget what we look like. But instead, let's walk away changing what our inner being looks like by doing these things and participating in these things and believing these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to continue in worship.